to Venture Collective. I'm Ken Kohler. I am Nick Priorello, and today we're going to talk about health. Back in the day when people were, they did more physical labor jobs, the women, I mean, it was the, the men went out and worked either out on a farm or maybe they were a truck driver or they were a laborer of some sorts. And then the women stayed home and they, they cooked, they cooked meals at home homemade meals, you know, fresh. They got broccoli or they got vegetables. They got uh, chicken breast or a fish or whatever, and they cooked it at home. And I think that's another thing, another habit that um, you should eventually work towards is instead of getting your meals at a fast food restaurant or any restaurant for for that matter, maybe try to make a homemade meal. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything perfect. It's going to take you a little extra time. Uh, you might have to do some prepping. I mean, the prepping, I think, is the hardest part for, for somebody because, you know, it could take up to 15, 20 minutes to prep for a meal. But, you know, get in the habit and, and again, start with something small. It doesn't have to be like a four-course, like, gourmet meal or anything like that. But start with something small. So, you know, get your – go shopping when you go shopping, get your ingredients, get your foods, and prep for the week. Eat those for dinner instead of resorting to going out to eat or going to a fast food restaurant. I talked to somebody who said that we are, I think, the only country, uh, if not that, one of, the, one of the only countries that actually has shopping carts uh, when we go shopping together because most p- places in different countries will go every day to go get fresh ingredients or go to the store that way and then be able to cook it that way. Here we buy things in bulk and we put things in our fridge and our freezer for a long period of time because we're able to buy things in bulk and we're able to store it away. So therefore we do have more food and more accessibility on hand, which can in fact cause overeating and cause more larger meal plannings and, and things of that nature. Always having food readily available if you're hungry, you can just go and grab yourself something quick to eat, whether it's popcorn or Pop-Tarts or something, a snack um, that's always really readily available as opposed to going to the, to the market every day in the morning to shop for your daily grocery items. Moving on from that, when you talked about, you were talking about shopping, do you remember the advice you gave me a couple of years ago of when to shop, where I should walk, what aisles or what areas to stay away from in the store? Yes. Okay, yeah, so if I'm so, in the store, if I'm shopping, where should I go? What should I do? And what areas in the store should I stay away from? Yes, there's um, stay along the perimeter. The perimeter is, if you notice, if you go pretty much every store is set up the same way. And they, it's not by accident, it's by design. You start out and sometimes, most of the time it's to your right or sometimes it's to your left. You got the produce section that should be the first place you go to. And then you, you, you go, you go around a little bit and then you got maybe the meat department, you've got the, um, the deli department or, um, you know, you get your chicken, your fish, your ground beef. Then you go a little bit further and you got dairy, you got eggs, you've got your milk, you've got almond milk, you've got cheese, yogurt, cottage cheese, etc. And that's basically the perimeter. Well, if you notice a lot of the perimeter that goes around the back, where do you have to walk past in order to get to the back where all the healthier stuff's at? You got to go through the aisles. The aisles, yeah. And what's course. primarily in the aisles? 
We you mentioned Pop Tarts. Yeah, you mentioned the Pop Tarts. You mentioned, you know, the frozen waffles. You mentioned uh, sugary snack, you know, sugary snacks, potato chips, uh, chocolate bars, candy bars, soda, etc. And don't don't knock down my candy bars. Those those call my name sometimes when I'm walking past that aisle. Yeah, that's the whole, and that's the whole thing. It's like they, in order to get to some of the healthier stuff that's in the back you have to go through those aisles first. And that's where the impulse, that's where the shopping cart thing comes in handy because you're like, oh, oh, while I'm here, I might as well get, let me get a couple of those Melamars. Just pile it in here. Oh, potato chips. I haven't had these in a while. These look good. And by the time you get to the area, to the perimeter where, where there's more healthier options, your cart's already halfway filled with stuff that you probably don't really need. And it, it's all marketing. I mean, I mean, some marketing guru had to come up with that schematic of how the grocery stores are laid out. And then to add on top of all that, you go into the uh, cash register. It's time to time to check out. What else is there? Impulse items. So now hey, you got, you've got more you've candy got some bars. Soda. You've got candies. You've got, you've yep. got chips. So you got. Oh wait. Oh, let me get a couple of these Snickers. You know, it's like oh, I missed it. It's like okay, well. That was designed to, to be pretty much say, oh, what we missed, instead of having to go all the way back and getting it, oh, it's already here. And I'm just going to have a couple of these candy bars, a couple of these impulse items, so to speak. And, and they keep that low. And you know that that's for the children because we don't have a lot of growing adults that are bending down to the bottom of that, of that area where the candy's at. That's perfectly position there for a bunch of children to be able to say oh i really want this now go to the cereal aisle that's another way they design uh the grocery store go down the cereal aisle and notice that towards the bottom basically at like an average kid's eye level that's where they put like the lucky charms and the tricks and the count chocula and all the other uh cereals that they basically advertise and market towards children uh, and then the all the other stuff that's like the more healthier adult type of stuff is a little bit higher up. They do that by design because it's like, okay, well, the kids could, they could see this as brand recognition. And that's another thing I would like to bring up too is brand recognition. We all know what the McDonald's arch looks like. We all know the clown, McDonald's, Ronald McDonald. We all know that from being a kid. You know, you can put a picture of Ronald McDonald in front of a kid and the kid's going to be like, Oh, that's Ronald McDonald McDonald. And then that's going to trigger something in their brain to say they want to get McDonald's. And so we're conditioned like this as from when we're kids, we're basically brainwashed by the marketing and advertisement industry to basically be someone who likes to eat fast food and like to eat these types of different types of foods that contribute to obesity. Yeah, you bring up a great point because you're right. I, I, that is classical conditioning that when you see the logos and you see those kind of things, but in the same aspect, when you look at it from the perspective of McDonald's target market, for example, um, and you say, okay, who are they specifically marketing to? It's, it's almost always towards the children and what they do. But from a restaurant management perspective, you do things where kids eat free, on Tuesday nights or different activities and different things to target to the children because it's so much cheaper to knock up the sales of, of the, for the children because they're already only a couple dollars worth of sales in the first place. Cause you know, 
the people that have to take the children are the adults. So you're going to willingly knock off the two or three dollars it is for the kids for their meal because you know you're going to get nine or ten dollars per parent that's going to be able to come in as well. So it's only a little bit more to generate more sales and income. When you look at it, so that's a, a higher ROI or return on investment that you're spending and getting rid of the discount for the children. But you're right. When you talk about McDonald's or something and they have Ronald McDonald then they had all the other McDonald characters, they also have the play place. They also have the happy meal. They also have the toy. And when you, and they even have the fun, bright colors that when you kind of walk in, it creates more of a, an exciting atmosphere. So in those things of what McDonald's targets, it's completely targeted towards children of saying, you need to come to McDonald's. You got to play in the play place. You got to have the happy meal with a brand new toy and that you advertise in your market. But then the same aspect, you're doing that because you also know, yes, you're going to pay for the happy meal for the kids, but then you're also going to turn around and get the parent sales as well. So it's important to pay attention to those marketing tools. You're right. Yeah. Sometimes those toys are worth the extra the the high price happy meals though yeah they're kind of awesome I get that some of some of them are but yeah that's the whole that's the whole thing they target everything towards children because they know that the parents lives revolve around their children you got to feed your children you've got to clothe your children you've got to make sure that they go to school you got to drive them there pick them up your parents life basically revolves around their children. And so they become an age where they're more independent and they can take care of themselves. The parents are pretty much doing everything. Of course, you're going to go to McDonald's and you're going to have the play area, like you said, that's branding. It's like, okay, we're going to go as a family to McDonald's and we're just going to let the kids play in the ball pit while the parents are eating their Big Macs and their fries and, and their chicken nuggets. The kids have a lot of fun and they want to do it again at some other point. So they go back there again at, you know, maybe a week or two later or whatever it is. And I mentioned that, you know, the parents' lives revolve around their children because they take care of the children until they're able to become independent. But when they do become independent, what are they still doing? It's like, well, we grew up on McDonald's. We grew up on going to Burger King. They're still, as an adult, as, an, as the kids start to grow up and they're uh, becoming independent adults, they are still implementing the same habits and the same lifestyle that their parents brought them up with. And in turn, when they start to have their own family and have children, it's going to keep trickling down from there. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it all starts with the parents being aware and they can pass that, those healthier habits onto their kids. And as their kids grow older, they're more prone to stick with those habits and lifestyle opposed to on the other side of things. When you're raised a certain way or you do something a certain way as a child. And then when you become older and you become more independent, you, you don't tend to change that fact. You actually tend to, I think, jump into that a little bit more. Here's a good case of a point, right? When I was younger, my, my parents used to always say, okay, it's your birthday. You get to choose where you get to go out to eat. There was, this, there was this Chinese buffet that was the best Chinese buffet ever. It was always the same buffet. I would always try to go to there every chance I had. Well, I could only go there when my parents took me to this Chinese buffet. They're no longer... Uh, unfortunately, around anymore. But it was the best, still today, best Chinese food I've ever had. It got to a point where Nick is one year older than I am in school, right? He was one year older than I am in general. So when Nick graduated high school, I was still a senior. And it was a very, very, very frequent thing 
that Nick's doing his morning routine and there's a knock on his door and there I am standing there because I'm, I was leaving school at certain points. Don't do this, but I was leaving school at certain <laughs> points and Nick, where would we go? I would pick you up. I'm always like, you want to go? Where would we go? To the China buffet. To the China buffet. We always went. It was a constant thing of going to the China buffet. Well, that, because I loved it so much when I was a child. And then, I, I, of course, after the China buffet, I would go back to school. I'll just walk back in and, you know, things were different then. But, when we, but that's the point. You tend to jump back into the things that you know and the things that you want more so than it is to say, hold on, let me be able to cook this, this fresh meal or let me be able to practice uh, living, living in a healthy lifestyle. Another thing is when we were children, we were always gone. We were always playing outside. We were always playing with other kids down the block. We, we lived active lifestyles in terms of having play, using imagination and running around and playing baseball and just running. I don't want to say running in the streets, but you're out in the streets. You're playing together. And like when the lights would come on at the street, lights would come on, you'd go home kind of thing. Now we have kids, not only are they eating more unhealthy meals and they're going to more of these fast food restaurants and it is convenient, but now for the most part, when they're home, there's a high tendency that a lot of these kids are playing PlayStation or they're playing uh, Xbox or they're playing whatever it is of their Nintendo games that they're doing that this electronic and virtual realities and esports is becoming a really big thing. So where's your exercise coming in at? We're, we're talking about diet, but let's talk about exercise and what we can do to live more physically fit lives. Yes, that's, uh, I mean, I think diet is going to be 90% of it, uh, but exercise does so much for your body chemically. Exercise helps relief endorphins, which is the feel-good hormones. It helps, you know, increases blood flow, uh, blood flow to the brain, People tend to be a little bit happier if they're more active instead of being sedentary and depressed. I think the, the suicide rates amongst younger kids, like teenagers, are higher than they've ever been. And especially during this pandemic, this coronavirus pandemic uh, era that we've been in, there's even less people being active because they're staying in the house. They're quarantining themselves in the house. And that leads to more depression. I know, I already know two personal cases where a teenage uh, boy took his life from suicide because they were indoors the whole time. You know, at, remember back in grade school, they were, there was recess at least two or three times a day. They don't want to have that anymore because they, they, they're at home in front of a computer. And so exercise psychologically is going to be so beneficial. So I think a, a great thing to do for exercise, and I think everybody can do this, is go outside for a walk. Try to carve out some time in the day to go out for a walk, you know, for a half hour, you know, half hour per day. Um, and I know the weather sometimes isn't uh, agreeable with that. You know, you know, you live in Chicago or in Illinois or any part of the country that during the winter, it's like 10 below outside. Nobody's going to want to walk outside. Uh, but there's other things you can do on the inside. Like when you wake up in the morning, start off by doing some activities. Start off by doing, uh, you know, running in the place, doing some push-ups, uh, some sit-ups. Uh, do a couple chores that allow you to be active and on your feet. 
like I said, it doesn't have to be like this long process. It's something that lasts for a few, a few minutes. It just takes a few minutes of physical activity to start releasing those endorphins. And that's a great way to start off your day, especially if you're busy during the day or you know that you're going to be busy later on at night with your family after work. I think one of the best times you can try to try to exercise would be like in the morning when you first get up, if you can do that. It doesn't have to be like this full-blown weight lifting exercise program you know you go to the you know people go to the gym and you see these people on the treadmill on the stair climber they're doing weights they're in there for like a couple of hours it doesn't have to be that way something you know five minutes a day of exercising is a great way it's better than nothing and if you have some time during the day like i used to work at a place where like you know they used to have a little fitness center i took a half hour for lunch and I would go out for a walk. And if it was raining or if it was too cold outside, I'd walk on the treadmill in the fitness center. You know, there's always something that you can do. You just got to find it and you just got to do it. You know, you you mentioned um, suicide and I wanted to try to look up statistics uh, quickly. Uh, That is a a very uh, difficult subject to talk about. And that is a very, it's a very sad thing. And, And it's true. There are, there is, there is an increase in suicide amongst teenagers specifically. Um, this is based on uh, the CDC, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, National Center for Health Statistics of the National Vital Statistics System, talking about the state suicide rates among adolescents and young adults aged 10 to 24 in the United States from 2000 to 2018. Okay? And in it, it says that the youth suicide has become an increasingly prominent public health issue that research, recent research has documented increases from 2005 to 2017 in serious psychological distress, major depression, suicidal thoughts, and attempts that are occurring among adolescents and young adults. A recent report from the National Center for Health Statistics found that the suicide death rate among persons aged 10 to 24 increased 56% from 2007 through 2017. This report extends the previous analysis of deaths by suicide among youth aged 10 to 24 by including rates for 2018, the latest year for which final mortality data is available. So we have a 56% increase aged 10 to 24 of suicides uh, for adolescents in those age groups. From 2007 to 2017, there was a 56% increase. And I wanted to at least present some statistics that was from the CDC. Just to, wow. we, we, hey, we want to be factual here, right? We want to talk about things that we see, but we also want to talk about things that we see as true. And we want to try to bring up everything we have, uh, not just with thoughts and and what we're thinking or feeling, but with what statistics and data says as well. It's good that you brought up those statistics. We, I mean, I wasn't expecting to talk about that realm, you know, go into that realm, but it's, it's not a coincidence because you said it was, what, from 2007 to 2017? Yeah, it was in that 10-year span, yes. Yeah, so it seems like, and I could, we could probably even argue now that those numbers are, like, totally inflated, at this point because of the pandemic is now people are quarantined kids aren't going to school they're not interacting with their peers anymore and then you know on top of that 
they're, you're not exercising, you're probably eating, you know, cause if you're at home more and you, if you have snacks in your home or certain foods in your homes that are not healthy, guess what you're going to like resort to the most. If you're at home more and you have access to snacks and things that are in your kitchen, your cupboard, your pantry, you're going to go after those snacks and those unhealthy meals a little bit more opposed to being outside. If you're outside and you're away from your home, you're less prone to like say, oh, you know, I'm bored. I'm going to go downstairs and, and get a bag of potato chips, open them up and watch TV. The thing about young adults and children is their brains aren't fully developed at this point. So they're not going to sit there and rationalize and be like, okay, suicide is not the way to go, but what else can I do? I mean, they're, they're not going to sit, they're not going to be able to sit there and rationalize and say, you know, maybe I should go out and take a walk. I'll feel better. They don't have, or maybe I should start doing, maybe start doing a hobby or something like that. That's going to help keep me active and, and that'll make me feel better. They don't have the tools. They don't have the knowledge or the tools to go about making those healthier choices. So the only way out is, uh, is, is suicide. And you can also argue that the chemicals that are in our food, uh, that are a lot of these foods these days don't help with the development of the brain or the way that we think. And of course, like you said, being inactive and not exercising, your brain's not releasing those hormones, those endorphins to help you make you feel better psychologically. You're right. And I, I will say, the, the, I think the big thing is that's happening between that time of 2007 to 2017, three, three major things that I can think of right off the bat that would be a negative impact for adolescents in that age um, that we, I think we should talk about later. I think we should have another discussion about this because I think not just suicide, but just uh, in things of what people are going through is a very, very um, heavy thing. But like, let's talk truth into these things, right? That's what, that's what we're here for. Three things that I can think of really quickly that would hinder that the suicide rate, unfortunately, I would say is number one, online bullying and the, and the growth of the online platforms that more people are that way and more people are able to, it's not just calling, you know, little Su Tim or little Susie names on the playground anymore or at school. It's literally becoming a way of constant communication and then constant ways and platforms to be able to bully people. I, I think um, the topic of homosexuality and transgender has to come into play on that. I think that's something that needs to be discussed in terms of people who are struggling to discuss certain things that are happening on their platform is certain things that are happening within their lives. And therefore you get online bullying and no escape from that way. And I think all of those things, the things of this culture, the, the, the temperature of the culture that's happening, I think those are just things that I would think of when I see statistics like that. And I see such a rise of 56%. Those are things that are also rising with it that I think it's difficult. But when you were talking, you're right. Exercise, healthy eating and exercise does produce chemicals within your body that is healthy that can start making you feel better and start make and even when you start seeing success. I know I've spoke to somebody when it came to food and, and I've heard people say before, you can't outrun the fork. You can't exercise your way into fitness if your diet is bad. Yeah, so I said 90% of it's diet and then the yep. exercise is just kind of a bonus. Eat. You use exercise to get in the shape cardiovascularly. You use exercise to make you feel better uh, uh, psychologically and emotionally. 
you use exercise to build muscle and to, uh, well, you don't build muscle with exercise. You technically break muscle down with exercise. And when your, mu when your muscles recover, they recover bigger and stronger. But that also, diet also plays a huge role in that too. Because if your diet's out of whack, your body's not going to recover as efficiently, as, as effectively as it should. You've got exercise that helps you with all those other things. I call it, it's just kind of a bonus, but the, the biggest component is diet. Another good habit to get into is try to get rid of all those foods that are in your, that are in your house that are unhealthy. Mm. So get rid of the ice cream, get rid of the potato chips. Um, you can incorporate a couple healthier snacks. You know, I have gluten-free crackers that I get, you know, from Costco. They're really good. And that's pretty much the only snack that I have. And even then I only snack on those maybe a couple times a week. Um, you know, pistachios. I'll be, I'll be honest. That is very hard to do to throw away your Doritos for some, some gluten-free crackers like that. That, that uh, I love you, Nick, but that doesn't sell me on that right away. Well, you know what? This, it's psychological because a lot of people are psychologically, a lot of those crunchy type foods, those snacks, it's the crunchiness that people are drawn to. It's a psychological thing. I guarantee if you start eating carrot sticks, at first you're going to be like, oh, this is terrible. This is, this is nowhere near as delicious as Doritos are. But like two or three minutes into it, you're going to just be like subconsciously eating those crackers because your brain is now connecting the dots of like, oh, wait, this is a food that has a crunchy sound. This must be good. Let's keep eating these. So that's another thing, too, to consider. But like basically, and I'm not Superman. If there's ice cream in the house, I'm going to eat it. That's just a given. That's just a fact. And I don't, I don't know any other person. There's very few people that have like that discipline. If there's ice cream and they could have gallons of the most delicious Rocky Road chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream in the house and they can go months without even going after it. Me, maybe about a week or so, but eventually I'm going to give in. So if you're, if you know you're that type of person, just don't have it in the house. It's kind of like an alcoholic. If you're a recovering alcoholic, what's the first thing they tell you? Don't have any alcohol in the house. You're less likely to, to reach for that, that uh, alcoholic beverage if you don't have it anywhere near you. So if you're that type of person that is constantly opening up your refrigerator, opening up your cupboard and reaching for the ice cream, you're reaching for the potato chips, you're reaching for a food that's high in sugar, high in saturated fats, just don't have those foods accessible at your house. Good point. I wanted to, we're, we're going to end, um, we're going to end this discussion. And I think, I, first of all, I appreciate all your knowledge uh, in this area and all your expertise and, and you being able to share that with us all. Uh, I'm very thankful for that. But as we're, as we're closing, uh, let's recap a few things. And then I'm going to give you some final words to exact. To, to talk about anything that you think is very pertinent to kind of recap on everything. The first thing we, we talked about is obviously we talked about getting rid of the bad food and incorporating it with good food. We talked about the fact that you, you can't outrun the fork and that your exercise is important, but diet is primary. Um, and we talked about the fact that by having healthier diets and healthier 
food choices, incorporating exercise, it produces chemicals within your brain and antidepressants that make you live happier and healthier lives. Is, is that, is that a, correct? Is there, and is there anything else you'd like to add to it for the final word? Yeah, that's uh, no pun intended, but that's the meat and potatoes of it. Also, let's throw in there creating healthier habits, one habit at a time, and getting rid of unhealthy habits. You create one habit, you know, you're going to push a, a bad habit out the door, basically. Hydrating. Uh, I mean, I touched upon drinking water first thing in the morning, but uh, having water being your primary source of liquids, you know, uh, getting rid of getting rid of soda. We didn't really touch on that either, but like um, getting rid of the soda. So instead of drinking three or four or five cans of soda a day, which a lot of people do do, replace that slowly but surely with water. But what about like Diet Coke versus regular Coke? Can't that be an adequate substitution? Well, Diet Coke releases the same chemicals in your brain because you're introducing something sweet in your body. Even though it's not sugar per se, it doesn't have the caloric value of sugar. It's still, gonna, it's still sweet to the tongue, and it's still going to trigger a chemical in your brain that's going to want you to eat more sweets, more sweets that actually have sugar, real sugar in it, carbohydrates. It's kind of like a gateway, I guess you could call it maybe like a gateway drug. You open that soda and you drink it. And it's like, oh, this is diet soda. This is healthier for me. Not really, because you haven't broken the habit of not drinking soda anymore. And you're still, it's still sweet. It's still sweet to the taste, to the tongue. So it's going to start triggering other things in your brain. Like, oh, I want to eat more stuff that has sugar in it. I want to eat more things that are sweet. So again, you're not, you, you haven't broken the habit. It's like opening Pandora's box here. It's like now you're, it's, it's a gateway to other things. So no, I don't think there really is. If you're going to drink soda, you might as well drink the real thing because number one, there's not as many chemicals in it at least. Uh, but number two, psychologically, and it, when it comes to habits, it's still the same thing as drinking diet. I would encourage everybody out there who's listening that might be struggling with uh, with their weight or with their with their with bad habits is to number one start the day off with with exercise, start the day off with water, and then just start and just, and just see what happens from there. And be aware, be, be be aware of the type of person that you are. Like I like I mentioned, I'm the type of person you put something in, you put some food in front of me, I'm going to eat it. If I have access to ice cream, if I have access to potato chips, if I have access to junk food, if it's within arm's reach, or if I can walk to the kitchen 10 feet to get it, I'm setting myself up for failure. So I have to completely eliminate those foods from the house in order for me to be successful. So I encourage you to find out what type of person you are discipline-wise and set yourself up for that type of success and eliminate all this stuff that's going to set you up for failure. Awesome. I really appreciate your input and I really appreciate your knowledge. Uh, thank you for your time on this. And uh, I really appreciate you being a sound voice. It's going to be, able, Hey, let's do this together. Right. I'm, I'm a person who struggles in this area. Um, you know, let's try to incorporate some healthy habits. Let's, that's what we're going to title this. We're going to have certain things that we're going to talk about, whether it's food and fitness or prayer or uh, 
practices uh, within growing closer to God, reading the Bible. We're going to have some different things we're going to jump in that's going to be called healthy habits. And that's exactly what it is that, that we want to talk about. How do we live healthier lives and lives that we can be here that can draw closer to God and closer to others and when we can take care of ourselves? Thanks so much for listening. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Venture Collective Podcast. You can check us out on Twitter at Venture underscore podcast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us so you can keep current on what we venture into next. Until our next venture together, love God and love others. Thank you.